Can science give us a mechanism for the human soul? Let us explore this idea. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to give a series of lectures on the quantum mechanical explanation of spirituality. My name is Dr. Steve Harrison, and I'm thrilled to be your host for these podcast series. Does science have the answer to why there is something instead of nothing, and to what is the purpose and place of sentient consciousness and even the soul? Questions that science has formally avoided in order to separate itself from religion and left it to the realm of religion to answer such questions. Religion has always been forthcoming in giving such answers to the reason that there is human consciousness along with the purpose, place, and prospects for such consciousness. So how reliable are the sources of religion? They come from the prophets. They come from Moses, Mohammed, and Jesus primarily in our Western culture. The source the prophets tell us is God, Allah, and Yahweh. But if you look into the stories of these men from the Iron Age, they seem recycled fables from an earlier age, the Bronze Age. In the story of Gilgamesh, there is a great flood. In the Babylonian lore, there is Yahweh, he without name. So the wrath of God comes from Yahweh, the storm god and the god of war. The Iron Age prophets were all-knowing, yet they didn't understand that bacteria caused disease. They didn't know the body was composed of cells. They didn't even know where the sun went at night. So can the science that's brought us airplanes and space travel and computers give us any insights into the source of consciousness and the ability of self-awareness? Well, I agree. You would be right. You've never heard formal science give such speculation into the nature of spirituality. It would be certainly rare for a physicist or academician to comment on those things that religious leaders so easily speak of, the soul, spirituality, reincarnation, heaven and hell. The reason you never hear physicists speak of such matters publicly is because they're afraid of being labeled as quacks or worse yet, as metaphysicists. But don't think for a moment they don't relate their work to the big questions. For most of them, I'd say this is the reason they got into physics, quantum mechanics, and string theory in the first place. It was certainly the reason I got into the field. Unfortunately for me, I was not a whiz in mathematical computation, especially compared to world-class students. So I had to find something else to do, I knew I wasn't going to be any kind of great physicist, so eventually I found medicine, biology, and chemistry. It was memorization. It was pretty easy, actually. 
I was able to work while I was in school, got into medical school, went into emergency medicine, which was perfect for me. Unlike physicists that could work on a problem for years and then find out they're on the wrong track, emergency medicine's problems are usually and most likely have to be resolved in minutes to hours. As a resident, places like Cleveland, Camden, and Delaware were great learning experiences, but I settled in a town called Princeton, New Jersey. Princeton is the epicenter for the study of the physical world. It has the Center for Advanced Study, where Einstein failed to find the theory of everything. The university and the institute are the place where the great minds of the world come to talk and interact about their theories. Living in this environment once more piqued my interest in physics. I met many famous academicians, some in the community and some as my patients. If any of my ex-patients are listening or anybody in the community had told me their ideas in confidence, be assured I will not connect your name to what I speak about in these podcasts. When I associate information to somebody's name, you can be pretty assured that I never met this person. Probably unfortunate for me. I also had the uh, opportunity to work in Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union and settled in pretty high circles where I used that opportunity to talk with engineers and physicists, some involved in basic science, some involved in engineering, and some involved with the engineering of making weapons to kill us. But at that time, our two countries had much better relations. When you really have the opportunity to talk to such people, you find out that they are very interested in the big questions and in private conversations are more likely to give you their thoughts on the nature of reality and infinity. Many of them do not regard the universe as mechanical or probabilistic, but more in kin to a thought. To understand why, let me go over a simple experiment that has a very strange outcome. This is the double slit experiment. If you put light photons or any other particle through two closely associated slits, they form the preferred wave function. And you know it's a wave because the two slits interfere with each other and you get an interference pattern where the peak of one will interfere with the trough or other of another or there'll be an additive effect where you'll get a high peak in, in various places. Sure, it looks like the barcode you see at the grocery store. However, if you put a particle detector or photon detector at, the, at one of the slits or both the slits, and you know which slit it goes through, then everything changes. The pattern becomes an impact pattern of the photons or other particles that go through the slit. With lasers, of course, you can put the detector anywhere in an experiment, bounce it off mirrors, and as long as you put the detector in a way you know which slit it goes through, it always comes out as that impact pattern. If you put beam splitters in a way that it is impossible for the experimenter, the sentient, to, un to know which slit the beam goes through, then it comes back as a interference pattern. It doesn't matter whether you turn the detectors on or off or any other physical attribute of the experiment. The main variable is the consciousness of the experimenter and whether they know which slit it goes through. 
nothing else really changes the variables. Now there are two schools of thought in physics. One, that consciousness collapses the wave and produces the particle pattern. The other is that the collapse of the wave produces consciousness. Just like many other dualities in physics, a particle can be a wave or a wave can be a particle, is my belief that both of these conditions are true simultaneously and that whatever action occurs in our reality and all the other possible permutations of that action occur somewhere in infinity, somewhere in the multiverse, somewhere in the innumerable universes that exist throughout time and space. Over the series of lectures, we will talk about such things like this as the multiverse. We will talk about entanglement, the idea where like systems can be linked anywhere throughout infinity, in any other place in our universe, in any other time, in any other universe, and even in hyperspace, irregardless of the speed of light and unbound by the speed of light. In the same regard, we will talk about wormholes or interconnecting spaces that link non-contiguous regions of infinity. We will speak about quantum biology, giving evidence to the point that our brains are transducers between the biologic and the extracausal consciousness. We will explore the physical properties of our universe that allow for extracausal consciousness and even the creation of new universes. We will show that our universe and many other universes has their own event horizon like a black hole and here in physical form stores the memory of that universe. We will talk about the way an individual's brain links to a specific higher dimensional manifold and how that higher dimensional manifold links to many other universes so that any possible quantum action is realized in physical form in some other universe or in quantum potential in some quantum universe. After we have gained the foundation in extracausal consciousness, quantum consciousness, we will explore technologies that allow the living sentient to explore the multiverse and to find their own consciousness in the multiverse. Yes, that seems impossible, but quantum computers will be the tools that allow us to explore infinity. As Sir Arthur Eddington said at the dawn of the quantum revolution, the universe is not only stranger than you imagine, it's stranger than you can imagine. I will present this information in descriptive form, avoiding complex formula, partly because I forgot how to do some of the complex formula, but also these ideas lend well to explanation and conversation. As Albert Einstein once said, if you can't explain a theory to a six-year-old, then the theory holds little hope of being true, and the theorist probably doesn't understand the theory anyway. I want to comment about my own biases, since I'll be your narrator. Um, I'm certainly as an atheist when it comes to organized religion. I was an atheist when it came to subjects such as spirituality, but over the past 26 years, I think I've become an agnostic. The science has led me to the idea that consciousness is part of the fabric of infinity, that these lectures on extra-causal consciousness 
which I really haven't defined yet, but is a consciousness which source is beyond the biological interconnections of neurons and other functional parts of the brain. We relate our brains to computers as they are so consequential to our way of life. This is why we relate them to our brains. But has any computer ever had consciousness, a sense of self, even at an animal level? I would say not. There will be a time where we know this answer. Humans will certainly synthesize computers with a hundred million trillion connections. But will this computer have consciousness? Will it have a sense of self? We will have to see. I do not diminish the importance of the mechanical brain. Disease of the brain can leave us without senses, with decreased intellect, and with withdrawal from reality. Neuronal and hormonal alterations can change emotions, perceptions, etc. When I refer to consciousness, I mean that intangible sense of self in connection to the universe and maybe even infinity. It is, an e it is a state easier to experience rather than to explain. Humans throughout time have tried to explore this sense through the only intellectual means available, that being religion. However, what has religion brought us? Religion brought us beautiful buildings, but it also brought us the Inquisition. It brought us genocide, and in recent years has brought us terrorism. In these podcasts, we're going to use a different modality. We're going to use science. We have learned to trust science the way we used to trust religion, or else we wouldn't get into an aluminum tube flying at 550 miles an hour through the stratosphere. Science holds the qualitative methods, the quantitative methods, the reproducible outcomes that allow us to trust our medications. We could find out at the end that the former and latter methods of explaining that sense of self are really describing similar processes in infinity. Though it's my own personal belief that if we use reason instead of religion, we'll have a more reliable concept of extracausal, extracorporeal consciousness and have the possibility of developing technologies that allow us to explore it while we're still living and not have to wait till death. This, I think, is my real selfish purpose for these podcasts, to motivate physicists and engineers to develop tangible instruments and methods to explore consciousness, extracausal consciousness. But in the end, if religion and science are both describing the same entity, then that is fine with me. As Einstein said, religion without science is blind, and science without religion is lame. I have a website called newspiritualparadigm.org that has a lot of diagrams and some explanations of what we talk about in the upcoming lectures. There is also excerpts from a book I wrote. The book is in the genre of science fiction, but it uses complete science fact to explain how a society learns to use extracausal consciousness, including the benefits and downfalls and unexpected consequences of such use. If you leave a message on my website, I will send you a copy of it. Remember, it is copywritten. It's not for sale. If you feel so inclined to edit it 
and you leave a large contribution and someday I do decide to publish it, I will keep a note of your name and any proceeds proportional to what you've done, I'd be happy to reimburse you for. Thank you very much for your attention so far. I look forward to speaking with you in upcoming podcasts, so stay tuned. The first podcast will be on the vacuum, its contribution to physical reality and to extracausal consciousness will be explored. We will focus on wormholes and on baby universes and, and how virtual particles allow the brain to create extracausal conditions. Thank you very much.